Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet, and MKF is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with your initial deposit. Are you ready to rumble? Open a new account with a minimum $10 deposit to MKF, and you'll receive a free DynastyLeagueFootball.com annual premium membership. This offer is also good to extend your current DLF annual membership by one year. Monkey Knife Fight will also match your initial deposit amount, doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50. Featuring football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, and more, you'll find plenty of entertaining contest options even in these uncertain times. Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games with no salary caps, so if you correctly predict the outcome, you're guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals to prevent you from claiming your prize. At MKF, you will not get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate other fantasy sites. So check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience. Claim your deposit match and your free DynastyLeagueFootball.com premium membership all at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Alright, Super Flexers, welcome on in. This is the Super Flex Super Show. I am your host, at underscore James the Brain, James Katulis, a.k.a. James the Brain. I am joined by my esteemed co-host, Ethan Turner, who can be found at eTurnerFF underscore PT on Twitter. Ethan, how you doing tonight, man? I am doing great. As always, I just got off a week vacation, which is amazing to take a week go hike around the mountains enjoy nature avoid covid and people and really just take a breather you know uh i was an essential personnel as a healthcare provider so the last six months i did not get to have any quarantine time it was all hands on deck and so i really felt like i needed a week to just kind of get away and just be uh on vacation. <laughs> I really just needed a vacation. Beautiful. So Beautiful, was, man. I was excited to be able to go spend some time with my wife and not think about football and not think about healthcare in general and where our country is heading and really just focus on just what matters to me. So it was good. Nice. So I understand you got to observe some wildlife up close and I'm talking a real bear, not Mitchell Trubisky and these fake guys. I'm talking a real bear that you got to see, which is pretty cool. I did, in fact, see a real bear. Uh, that was my one goal. Uh, we were in Tennessee. So, of course, you know, Smoky Mountains, black bears. So it wasn't like a huge bear that could kill me, but it was a pretty good sized bear. Um, so, yeah, it was good. It was it was a really like cool. Like where I live, you don't really get like wildlife that's worth really like looking at i mean you could fish but it's not the same as like seeing a bear on a hike you're not going to see any bears around here so um it was it was really cool it was a really cool experience to just kind of like realize like holy crap i'm like out here and this is a bear like this is a wild bear like this bear does not know me it is not stompy the bear it is a real life bear and so it was it was definitely cool <laughs> nice yeah the smoky mountains awesome awesome views uh, must have been great man sounds sounds like you did it right you had an excellent vacation but you're back ethan you're back and we need you we are ready to have you on this podcast and we're going to talk today we're going to talk some redraft strategy uh, you know so so our, our general approach is what we're going to start with so generally in a redraft a super flex redraft of course we're talking super flex but in a redraft super flex your general approach what what is your general approach to just a a, a normal redraft super flex league are there certain players you're targeting are there certain positions that you target early target weight don't target at all that sort of thing so ethan start us off tell us what is your general strategy for this type of week yeah so 
when you're looking at Superflex just in redraft, um, it really, really honestly for me depends on who I'm drafting with. If I'm drafting with people that are in the industry, they tend to either one, go QB heavy very early, or they tend to wait on quarterback because that because they understand that you can just wait and wait and wait because there's so many quarterbacks that are fantasy viable right now. Uh, I know that in like a home league, a home re- redraft league, where people that maybe aren't as into fantasy football as what I am, uh, I tend to get an advantage at quarterback early so that I know that I've locked in some some guys that you know. Ultimately, they are still an advantage in most scoring settings, especially in Superflex, to have those quarterbacks early. So if I'm playing with somebody that's maybe not as savvy, I'm jumping on the quarterbacks a little bit earlier. If I'm playing with players that tend to know and tend to know what what the value is and value them correctly, I tend to wait a little bit and be more of the guy who takes you know three or four quarterbacks later and stock up on running backs and other positions that are going to kind of uh, fly off the board. But for the most part, I'm looking for running backs early this year. Um, I'm not one that says that you have to like take a running back the first four rounds. And if you're not doing it that way, then you're an idiot. Uh, I do think that you you need some stud running backs on your team. Um, and you're most likely going to get those in the first three rounds. I'm trying to make at least three of my first four picks running backs this year, just because I feel like This year, more than any, wide receiver just gets pushed back and back and back. Uh, We saw in a lot of Scott Fishbowl drafts, I mean, there were running back runs that I thought, holy cow, like 14 running backs went in, you know, 20 picks. And then another 14 went after that. And so uh, to me, I think that is what a lot of people are saying right now. And it's one of those things where I'm not going to zig when everyone else is, is zagging. That's, that doesn't make any sense to me this year i mean you really do need to get after these running backs so uh general approach is running back three out of the first four picks maybe a quarterback or wide receiver and then i'm going to start hitting wide receiver and if the running back falls that i think is is good value i'm going to pick them up and then my bench is almost always wide receiver twos or rookies that could potentially have a role as the season progresses. I like to have a bench. I don't want bench spots that are going to lose value as the, as the year goes on, because to me, you want guys that maybe right this second are not giving you much, but by the end of the year, they could have a huge role and could potentially be starting for you. And this year, Depth is going to be so important because we are seeing it already in other sports that have started. People are going to test positive for COVID. There are very, it, it is, it's going to happen. We just need to accept that the NFL is going to have positive cases. They're going to have to address them in some way, shape or form. It's going to affect how we do waiver wires. It's going to affect how we build our teams and we need to prepare to be flexible with these guys that could potentially, um, even if it's not an injury, could potentially be you know a COVID case away from being the number one guy on their team. And so those are the guy, kinds of players that I'm looking for uh, in the back half for my bench. Um, I'm not really looking for the guys like Mohamed Sanu or you know. Uh, trying to think of a few other like great examples. He's one that comes to my mind. That's just kind of a guy like, you know what he is. He's not going to give you that huge upside. If he gets more opportunity, it's kind of just going to be the same guy. Uh, I'm not looking for those guys this year. I'm looking for a guy that uh, like a Jerry Judy who has the talent and is going in a spot where he's going to be on your bench to start the year, but he could be an, he's an alpha dog wide receiver, CD lamb, same thing, younger guy. Uh, there's guys in front of him right now, but, Michael Gallup, uh, Amari Cooper, one of them, you know, get the test positive for COVID. All of a sudden, C.D. Lamb could be a wide receiver one on an offense that likes to throw the football. And so uh, those are the types of players that I find this year, especially that I'm going to be looking for um, as I kind of build my roster up. And I do think if you're a commissioner in a league this year, you really need to think about having deeper benches. Um, if you're uh, If you're someone that or at least having some way to Uh, accommodate for what's going to happen, which is players testing positive. It's just going to happen. You can't really do a short bench or you can, you can, uh, but you're really putting everybody 
in a kind of a bad spot. It's not going to be very fun to play if, you know, some team is probably going to hit with three or four guys that end up with positive diagnoses uh, of COVID and then they're screwed because they have no bench. They have no starters. It's like, it's not fun. We got to continue to try to make this game within a game, very fun for people. So um, if you're a commissioner, really consider making, having a bigger draft, you know, and, and having more, a bigger bench, uh, even in redraft, because I do think we're going to have to do a lot more managing week to week than maybe we even do in a normal season. Yeah. Really good advice there. I like that, Ethan. I, I will say this though. The one thing with the shorter benches is it means there's more names out there on the waiver wire. So that could be a good thing. If you get a few players that are hit with COVID, you know, you, it's rough as long as you as long as you can put them on your IR. Uh, I, I think then there's some more players available out there on the waiver wire that uh, that you might not feel bad having to plug in and play. So uh, it, it's an interesting dilemma. There's a lot of questions about what's going to happen with COVID, but uh, no, that that's a fantastic idea is to increase the bench spots. Uh, you know, give 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 people a little bit more of a chance uh, to have a guy already on their roster that they can plug in and play. Love that. I also love what you said right at the beginning when you started talking is know who you're playing against. Know who you're drafting with. Man, a, a home league is totally different. Those quarterbacks aren't going to wait. You're going to have to grab them early. Whereas, you know, if you're if you're with, you know, industry guys, you know, generally they're going to wait, you know, so you can wait a little bit longer. So that that's uh, that's also really good advice, Ethan. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, w- when you're approaching redraft, super flex, just regular leagues, is there anything different that you're doing? I mean, I know that we're obviously talking about quarterbacks a lot because this is the super flex super show, but um, are there any positions that you feel like you're finding uh, in either mocks or in the Scott Fishbowl that you felt like, man, I couldn't believe that these players were falling kind of in this range and I seem to f- be building teams a certain way this year is there something that you're you're seeing that maybe is different from what i'm seeing yeah it's really interesting so the scott fishbowl i kind of throw out a little bit only because the scoring format is so different from any other league i'm in um so i think that lended itself to wide receivers you know being available later uh in in a lot of my normal drafts though i'm i'm very big at tier-based rankings and i i will i will have my rankings based on tiers and i'll draft that way i'll draft with tiers and so i'll go into a draft knowing that hey look i want to get two quarterbacks from my top two or three tiers and you know, just kind of stick to that. Don't don't fall in love with the name, fall in love with the tier, fall in love with the group of names that you really want one of these guys. And so I'm going to let the draft come to me. And more times than not, Ethan, the running backs are going early. And, and you know, I find myself struggling because I don't want a tier two running back if I'm drafting later in the first, which is what's falling to me. I'd rather have a tier one quarterback or receiver in super flex. Uh, tier one quarterbacks for me, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, those are guys that I would take if, you know, those tier one running backs aren't falling to me. You know, if I'm looking at a, a Joe Mixon or an Aaron Jones or guys like that, man, I think I think I'm going to take the quarterback over those guys or even a tier one wide receiver outside of Michael Thomas. You know, there's guys I really like, like Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. Those guys are available. Uh, even Julio Jones in a redraft, man, I am considering taking them over uh, a running back that I have some questions about. So uh, it really is interesting. It depends on how you approach the draft. Again, knowing who you're drafting with is important. Also knowing your league settings, knowing your scoring, knowing your, uh, you know, how, how many of each player you, you have to start, you know, what are the flex options there? That sort of thing is also really important. Um, I do find that I like to wait on tight end. Uh, there's a lot of tight ends going later in drafts that I really, really like this year. Noah Fant's a guy, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Mike Gusecki, uh, Jared Cook, Janu Smith, even Jack Doyle. These are all guys that if I can get two of those guys, I feel pretty good about my tight end position that one of them's going to hit and be a top 10 tight end. So uh, I, I really, really think that you can wait at that position. Uh, and, uh, and, and I've been finding myself doing that again, loading up at quarterback and at wide receiver, you can never have too many of those guys. I, I do find that I like to wait on wide receiver though, ideally, uh, just because there's some depth at that position too, man, there are some guys, Tyler Lockett, Tosh Boyd, uh, Tyler Boyd, rather, these are guys that are going later and later that I really, really like. And I, you know, I, I'd be willing to wait on those guys and roster just a bunch of those guys uh you know in that tier 
and, uh, and, and just take my chance at wide receiver there. As long as I can land a couple really good quarterbacks and running backs, I'd be good with doing that. So, uh, you know, really, again, what you said is so key to knowing who you're drafting with, uh, you know, knowing their tendencies, if you've ever drafted with them before, or if you have them on Twitter, kind of look up guys that they might be higher on, guys they might be lower on, and you might kind of know where the value falls, where where you can kind of wait, that sort of thing. Uh, so I, I think that's really important. So approaching these drafts, for me, don't fall in love with names. That's the main thing. Don't fall in love with just a guy. Fall in love with a group of guys, you know? And if you really like a guy, just move him up to a different tier, a tier that you might have him in that nobody else would. You'll probably end up getting him, but you'll get him later than other guys in that same tier. So uh, the tier-based drafting to me is really where it's at, and that's kind of the main approach that I like to take, Ethan. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Is there any players that you think that uh, that I might end up with if I do something like this that that you're avoiding type thing? I don't know if there's players that I'm avoiding. I think that the, the nicest part about a very basic or standard super flex league is that you really do have a lot of options. Um, as long as the scoring isn't super wonky for wide receivers, um, for tight ends, for, for running backs, for the most part, it's, it's pretty clearly quarterback running back wide receiver tight end in terms of priority, I think for most drafters. And so I would say that quarterback and running back is kind of interchangeable. Like I said, it really depends on who you're drafting with on how they're going to value those two positions specifically. Um, this year, I think if you're going to go wide receiver early first, you know, late, late first, um, early second, there are some wide receiver combos that you can build a championship level team around. The only issue that I think you're going to run into is who falls back to you at that three, four turn from either a running back or quarterback perspective that gives you the, the highest upside. Uh, the only problem I have is that I really feel like after you get into, I mean, heck after 36, I mean, I'm looking for you're hoping maybe a Leonard Fournette falls back to you. Um, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. I don't love that at running back James Connor, not a huge fan. Melvin Gordon, I think is probably the guy that I'm targeting. If it's me, um, if I go wide receiver, wide receiver, and I'm hoping someone falls back to me at the end of the third, it's definitely Melvin Gordon. Um, and, and then you're looking at, you know, some of the older running backs, some of these guys that maybe used to have big names that maybe are not as sexy of a pick, your Todd Gurley's, your Le'Veon Bell's, uh, those types of players. And you're also looking at maybe a few rookies, like I mentioned, Edward Solaire, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift. These are options that you can kind of build a running back core with. Uh, I just worry that if you don't have one of those stud running backs in those first two rounds, you're, you're setting yourself up to lose in the playoffs to a team that has one of those guys. Uh, the gap from a running back one to a running back two is pretty significant compared to the gap from a wide receiver one to a wide receiver two, which is wide receiver twos last year were producing at about 83% of the wide receiver ones. So it wasn't a massive drop off. The running back twos compared to the running back ones, you're looking at uh, almost a 35% drop off in production. And so having a running back two versus having a running back one is a huge gap compared to having a wide receiver one versus a wide receiver two. So uh, again, the nicest part about this is that you can do that and you can still have a very good roster at the end of the day. It's really about making sure you hit on those running backs that you take, you know, throughout the draft after that point and recognizing and I think this is something that I do a lot of that I don't know. I don't know if everybody does it, but I really focus on where's my team strong as the draft goes on. Am I, if I go wide receiver, wide receiver, I'm probably not taking a wide receiver again until eighth, ninth, tenth round. To me, that is, I've taken, I've invested in the wide receivers. My wide receivers are good. If I take a third, fourth, fifth wide receiver, maybe the third guy starts every week, but those fourth and fifth guys, Unless something happens, they ain't seeing the team. They're not They're not starting for me. So those are sunk picks as opposed to if I go wide receiver, wide receiver to start the draft. You know, I could pick a running back in the fifth or sixth round that where I could have been taking maybe a wide receiver three or wide receiver four. Those running backs could be starting for me every single week. And so do I risk 
taking another teardrop to get that running back. I, I don't personally like drafting that way. I like, you know, if I'm going to go heavy at a position, I usually forget about that position after that because I know, hey, I have studs here. They're locked in. I'm not worried about that position anymore. I can wait for as long as I want to get back to that position. Um, sometimes it's double-digit rounds before I'm even taking another one. Um, in the Scott Fishbowl, for example, I went quarterback uh, in two of my first three picks. I did not take another quarterback until basically the second to last round. Uh, to me, those are my guys. I'm, I, Yeah, it would be nice to have a third quarterback, but I need to build the rest of my team up. I've invested significantly in that position already. Yeah, I like that. I, I I think that's the way to go. I think that's what you do. If if you're at that 12 spot, and again, you know, like you said, there, there's more than one way to win a championship, but you just got to hit on your picks later. And that's harder to do because there's not as many options at that running back position that are going to finish as, a, as an RB1. There might be one or two, you know, but at the same time, if you don't feel confident in some of those names that are dropping to you at the end of the first round because running backs are going so heavy, maybe going receiver, receiver, and looking for a guy like Melvin Gordon, like you stated, a guy I'm high on. Another guy I like an awful lot in redraft this year is David Johnson. It's a guy that I think is going to see a lot of volume. And with the receivers that they have, uh, like you know, Brandon Cooks, five concussions in his NFL career, man. I mean, he's one away from maybe being done. We have Will Fuller, who's had multiple hamstring injuries, and we, he just hasn't played a full season yet. David Johnson might be the leading receiver. He might get more targets than any other player on that team. So to me, that's another guy that, you know, if you can have at that three, four turn, you might be okay with. But you're absolutely right. You got to hit on those guys, find your guys. And if that's the way that the draft goes, let it come to you that way. Let it go that way. Take two guys in your top tier of wide receivers, if they're available and then go ahead and, uh, and, and hopefully you have a few guys that you're, you're, you're high on at the running back position that you can hit on uh, around there. But same thing with quarterback, you know, if quarterbacks are going hot and heavy, you might have to take one in the fourth round there at that turn. You better have a guy that you really like. Uh, if not, you know, you this year you might be able even to wait, Ethan, on that. And if you're high on guys like Big Ben or, you know, you feel okay with guys like Big Ben and Drew Locke or something like that that might be available at the 5-6 turn, you might be able to go receiver, receiver, running back, running back, and then quarterback, quarterback, you know, and build your team that way. But but always just make sure that you have a backup plan because you never know how these drafts are going to go. Um so, Ethan, with that being said, I think we've we've dived into our, our basic strategy for redraft here uh, pr pretty thoroughly. But but let me ask you a question. Both of us seem like we're, we're pretty content waiting on tight end, you know, this year. What what if it's a tight end premium and how big does that premium have to be before you're willing to go? OK, now I got to get a tight end early, um, you know. Traditionally, we see in a regular PPR a 1.5, maybe even a 1.75, but I've seen two-point uh, PPR for tight end only. Uh, how big does that have to be to change your mind on tight ends, and then where would you grab the earliest tight end? I think with tight end premium, it really does depend on how much of a premium are we talking? Are they getting a boost of half a point per reception? The The thing with tight end premium is that it, it benefits the tight ends that are getting the volume the most, which are your best tight ends anyway, uh, in regular fantasy. And so unless it's a premium that, like you said, 1.75 or two, where it is, bumping the entire position up into a, a level that is so much of an advantage over uh, a wide receiver or a running back. Uh, it's not really changing to me that much about what my strategy is. I'm one that in the fourth round, I am perfectly content taking a Kelsey or a Kittle or a, um, a Zach Ertz. If they're falling there, I'm okay with taking that. If I have my running backs already, um, if it's a, and that's a, a normal non-tight end premium, I'm okay with for sure. Kelsey and Kittle. I think that's okay. I don't love the picks, but in the fourth round, I feel like they give you a positional advantage because of how much better they are than all the other tight ends. Um, but in a tight end premium, you, you, you do need to look at that and you do need to, to weigh in okay, that's still a huge advantage over not only the tight end position, but also potentially 
wide receiver and running back if the premium is significant enough. And so that's when you're going to see guys like Kittle and Kelsey going in the first round or the the second round. Uh, Whereas, you know, typically in a a normal, everything's all, all things are equal PPR non-tight end premium, I guess I'm looking at fourth or fifth round before I take a tight end. And so it really does depend. I am one that I usually grab three or three, at least three tight ends in that kind of middle tier. Like you're looking at like tight ends seven to 14, most likely Um, this year. Those are guys like Johnny Smith, like you mentioned. Mike Gusecki is a guy that I think I like in that tier. Um, other guys that I'm that I'm targeting, I guess, actively uh, looking for. You know, Hayden Hurst is a guy I seem to be getting a lot of. I just traded for Hayden Hurst in a dynasty league, actually this morning. Um, Rob Gronkowski, that's a that's a name that's falling. You know, he right now he's ranked as the tenth tight end. I'm perfectly fine with him being my tight end one. Uh, I don't see any reason why he couldn't. He, he, I think his floor is tight end 12. And so you're really not really taking much of a risk uh, to me. Um, Noah Fant, I'm okay with. I don't love it, but I don't hate it, um, especially if I'm getting two or three of these guys. And these are guys that are falling. I mean, tight ends are is a forgotten position. It is a position that does get very thin very quickly. And so I'm perfectly content with grabbing, you know, Mike Gusecki, Johnny Smith, and TJ Hawkinson and going, you know, 10, 11, 14 with those three guys and being like, all right, tight end set. Like it's perfectly fine. One of those guys is going to hit pretty consistently. I'm good with that. Um, and that doesn't, the premium doesn't really affect that too much, except for bumping everyone up a little bit. Um, to me, tight end is 17 deep max. So as long as I have a couple of those top 17 guys, I'm good. Anything after that, I feel like you're wasting picks because they're probably not going to produce for you or they're going to be on the, you're going to be able to pick up a guy off the waiver wire that's producing as a tight end that nobody's even talking about like a Jay Sternberger, or, uh, you know, Will Disley when he, you know, if he comes back healthy and those guys are always available. So uh, I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in tight end premium personally, unless it is a huge premium, like almost a full point more uh, if the tight end catches the ball. Yeah, I was hoping we'd have some dissension here, Ethan, but we don't. We're totally in lockstep here. I I think it's important that you hit on the position. So I think grabbing three guys is the way I'm going to approach it. But I'm going to wait. There's there's guys that I really like. And and a lot of the names you mentioned, Mike Gusecki, uh, Janu Smith, are are guys that I like. Jack Doyle is a guy that if I get, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Eric Ebron is a guy. You know, another guy that has been dropping, and I get it. You know, his situation has changed. The volume's not going to be there. But Austin Hooper is still playing for a, t- a a coach that utilizes the tight end in the red zone very well. Ask Kyle Rudolph. The guy's still in the league and has still been fantasy relevant for years because he's been playing in, in an offense that kind of features him. And I think that, that we can expect that that's going to happen in Cleveland too. Uh, you know, and, and that's a guy that's falling. I've seen Hayden Hurst go over Austin Hooper in a lot of leagues. I like Hayden Hurst a lot too, but man, that is insane with what Hooper has proven. So there's a lot of tight ends there that if I can get three of these guys later, uh, I'm fine with it. And you're right. Uh, you know what the premium does, it just boosts everybody up. And, and while you're going to get more with Kelsey and with Kittle, and they're going to separate themselves from the pack even more, you're going to have to spend a first round pick. And the opportunity cost to grab those guys is just too high for me, Ethan, especially when I can get two or three guys. And I feel confident that one of those guys is going to be top 10, maybe even top five, uh, you know, a finisher at the position. I'm okay with that. So to me, that's what you do. You grab three of these guys that are going from the 10 to 18 range and you just go, or even 10 to 20 range and just go, okay, one of these guys is going to hit, I think. And I'm confident going into the season that one of these guys is going to be my tight end. Uh, 
just might have to wait a couple of weeks to figure out who that's going to be. But Ethan, you and I are in lockstep on this as well. Now there is one guy that I want to, I want to touch on. Um, I tweeted this out last night and I do think this is an important thing that as we go into the redraft season, we need to start thinking about this a little bit deeper. Um, COVID is happening. We've mentioned it multiple times already. It's going to happen. Players are going to get it. Certain players are at a heightened risk of severe COVID response. One of those players is currently going as the tight end three. That's Mark Andrews. Uh, Mark Andrews has type one diabetes. It's well known. This is not like I'm not breaking any news. Don't hit me with a HIPAA compliance. I'm not as medical professional. I'm just a medical professional talking about public knowledge here. Mark Andrews has type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is one of the things that the CDC has mentioned as a comorbidity or a condition that people have that makes their response to COVID, if they get it, um, more severe or more dangerous. And Mark Andrews is in a unique situation. He is playing like one of the three best tight ends in football. He is getting paid pennies because he's still on a rookie contract and it's not a first round pick. Mark Andrews does not have a lot of incentive to play this year, given one, the risk that he takes for his own personal health. And two, the fact that he's really not getting paid that much to do that, to put, to assume that risk. We need to be paying attention to this. We have to pay attention to this because the investment that you're putting into a guy like Mark Andrews is huge. Uh, top three tight end. He's one of those guys that's going in the first six rounds in redraft. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not touching him until I know for sure that he is playing. I'm still probably not touching him because the risk is that if he gets it or if he is exposed to it, he could instantly be like, you know what? I'm taking, I'm taking two months off. You know, I got this, you know, this is not like a we can't assume that all COVID is the same. And so, yeah, there's going to be some players that get it and are back in a week and a half. Mark Andrews is not in that situation. He could get it and it could be potentially very, very damaging for his, uh, not just his, uh, his personal health, which I'm obviously concerned about as like a human being. But for us as fantasy players, we have to consider that if he were to be exposed to this, he could choose to sit out much longer than the average NFL player would. To me, I'm not taking that risk. I don't know what your opinions are on this, but uh, there are a few. You should go to Twitter at eTurnerFF underscore PT. I listed some players that have pre-existing conditions that we need to be paying attention to specifically because they have a reason baked in to not play this year, to opt out of playing. This is why you follow Ethan on Twitter at eTurnerFF underscore PT. Go get, go follow him. This is the kind of information that we need, Ethan. That is, that is an excellent, excellent breakdown. And a guy who's, you know, his ADP is, is very high. This is a guy that, uh, that, you know, I, there are legitimate concerns here, and I think you broke it down very well. It's a guy that after after you just kind of told me that, man, I am not touching him either. I think that's uh, I think that's fantastic news and a, a really good uh, analysis there from uh, from Ethan. So, Ethan, let's let's move on here. All right, so we we touched on tight end premium. What do you do if you're in a league and you got short benches? So. How does that change the way you approach this? And here's 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 why I asked the question, not just for COVID purposes, but man, the benches are short. Are you still taking those high upside guys that you might have to cut? Are you taking safer guys on your bench that you feel like, okay, if I got to plug a guy in, you know, I don't have so many options. I want a safer option here. Or is it, is it the opposite? Are you willing to swing and miss and say, hey, look, the waiver wire is probably going to be chock full of talent because everyone's got a short bench. If I miss on a guy that has high upside, there's going to be a guy there that I can replace him with that I feel okay about. How do you, does this change the way you approach drafts at all, Ethan? Is there a position maybe that you're only going to take one of maybe quarter uh, uh, or two quarterbacks instead of three, or maybe one tight end instead of two? Uh, how, how does this change your approach? I think it's twofold. One, I think that I am more apt to stream positions. If there are short benches, it's a, a much wider array of players available. Um, so you're, Positions that are super deep, most of the time, even if they have a decent amount of starters, 
with a short bench, people aren't rostering three or four quarterbacks, which means at any given week, there are two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight quarterbacks that are going to be starting and putting up fantasy points that week that you could pick up potentially four or five of them could be for free. Um, so I'm much at more, much more apt to stream certain positions, quarterback and tight end team to be the ones that I think I'm streaming them the most, but I think it could, this could be a situation where having a solid tight end makes you a much better team. Cause you don't have to worry about streaming that every week. You don't have to do that effort. You got a guy or two that you can just plug right in again, same philosophy, get two of those guys that are right in the middle. Then you don't ever have to worry about it. That being said, uh, I am more apt to load up on wide receivers and running backs first, well before quarterbacks. I'm waiting on quarterback. I'm waiting on tight end as long as I physically can until it's basically the end of a tier that I feel comfortable starting as my number one option because those positions if you lose one or lose a, a couple from those positions, they are going to be a lot harder to replace that production from, even with the shorter bench. Starting running backs aren't usually available in leagues, even with short benches. You're not going to be able to pick up a guy and hope that, you know, like at quarterback, you could pick up a guy and he could go off for 20 points. And then you really didn't take that big of a hit for not having quarterback that week. Tight end, you could pick up a guy that scores a touchdown and then all of a sudden you got 10 points and you're sitting pretty good at tight end. It really didn't hurt you that much. Running back and wide receiver, you can't get that. And so I'm more apt to load up my bench with as many starters as possible at those positions before I even think about a second tight end or a uh, third quarterback. Uh, I'm not I'm not wasting spots. Um, I want st- I want as many stud running backs and wide receivers as I can get. Wow. Well, see, and this is where we're gonna we're gonna differ a little bit, Ethan. I. I still want those three quarterbacks. I still want three quarterbacks I can feel good about. The position that I'm willing to stream more is is wide receiver. I just feel like there's so many guys out there. And if there's short benches, there's going to be guys on the waiver wire. There's going to be a Cole Beasley or a Randall Cobb that that just, you know, has a good matchup one week and, and, and you know, uh, COVID hits and unfortunately, you know, it, it benches someone. So they're starting and you could pick him up and, you know, you can get three weeks here and there from those guys. And I, I just feel like that's the position that I'd probably, and again, if I have two really good options at wide receiver, I, I'm feeling pretty good there. I'm probably not going to uh, have too many bench players at the wide receiver position. Running backs, I'm going to load up too. Um, and I, I agree with you on tight end. You know, if you can get a really good tight end that you can rely on week in and week out, you know, I'll I'll, I'll wait for their bye week and I'll, uh, you know, I'll pick someone up then. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to spend an extra bench spot, you know, when they're that valuable in a short league on a tight end. I'm, I'm going to take the quarterbacks and I'm going to load up on running backs because I just don't think that those positions are going to be as readily available. Uh, if, if 12 teams look some of them are only going to take two quarterbacks and a super flex. That's fine. But that means there's 24 guys that are already rostered. If everyone takes two, and I'm assuming that there's going to be some teams that are still going to take three. So you're talking 27 to 28 quarterbacks being rostered to normal league. There might be some guys out there each week that you can put on there, but boy, by weeks when they come, it's still going to be tough to find that production there. So I I think quarterbacks, the the position quarterback and running back are the positions that I want to load up on. I want to be, I want to feel comfortable those positions, wide receiver and tight end, I'm probably, uh, you know, willing to kind of, kind of use that waiver wire a little bit more on those positions there, Ethan. Am I totally crazy here? No, I think you're, you're playing what the, the, I think you're playing the right position in that wide receiver. There's going to be so many, I mean, on any given week, the way the NFL is right now, you're looking at 40 plus wide receivers that are going to put up fantasy points. So if you're going to stream, see, the problem I have is that it's harder to stream a position like wide receiver because more than likely you're starting three or four of them. So it's not like you can stream all of them, but you're talking about streaming your wide receiver three or your you know wide receiver or your first flex spot. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense to me. So I, I just wanted to, you're not, I'm, I'm hoping you're not saying that you're streaming like all your wide receiver positions every week. Cause that would not be uh, I don't think that would be a very uh, smooth or smart strategy to employ, but I do like the idea of like your flex spots should be pretty flexible. 
Ah, oh, see, I knew I was going to end up saying flexible. that. Super flexible, absolutely. Super flexible, and so you do have to be you. You do have to be willing to say, okay, you know, if things aren't didn't go the way I wanted them to. I'm just going to stream this, and it's okay because of the way that the league is formatted. Yeah, that that and and that's just it. I'm I'm definitely not talking about all my my wide receivers, but but rather the bench spots. I'm I'm okay with kind of you know not spending as many bench spots on wide receivers if it's a short bench. But Ethan, let's move on now. Let's you know we have our average size bench that we're used to kind of drafting for. We address short benches. What about a big bench? Now, the challenges that the big bench brings is, A, the waiver wire is going to be picked over, man. I mean, you're not going to have the options there that you would on a small bench or even a normal size bench. So the draft takes extra, I mean, importance. you got to hit on those picks. you got to have the depth, and you got to hit on those late rounds. How do you approach a bigger bench? Is there is there a, a, a certain way that you're going to approach this? Um, are you going to play it safer with some of your picks because you don't want to miss? Are you going to take uh, swings on more upside guys? Uh, what What's your approach here with a bigger bench uh, than normal? Uh, to me, I think the biggest thing is just making sure that you have all your positions covered with depth. Uh, before you start getting cute with high upside guys, I mean, you you can't, you're not going to be able to rely on the waiver wire. There might be some players that pop up as the year goes on and being able to recognize, okay, wait a second, like this guy could win me multiple weeks, not just one week, uh, and I can get him on the waiver wire. So I'm one that I'm definitely getting three, probably four quarterbacks if I can reasonably. Um, even if the fourth one is a guy like Tua that may isn't maybe he's not starting right away because that's going to give me some flexibility at the position. I don't have to worry about streaming it. Um, running backs, again, running backs are going to be important. The depth, I think, is almost more important if you have a larger bench. I would take a few more swings on maybe handcuffs that – with a short bench, you don't want handcuffs, but with a, a larger bench, you do because you want those guys that could instantly produce value for you. Um, if someone were to get hurt or if someone were to, again, test positive for COVID, um, you want to have that next guy up. You don't want to have to like bid for that guy because it, it's the, the waiver wire. You're going to know exactly who everybody wants every week with a larger bench. Um, wide receiver, again, you can stock up as as many wide receivers as you want really uh there there are quite a few that could start i'm looking for at least five good ones um probably six uh that i feel really confident about every single week um wide receiver i feel like in a larger bench setting uh you're probably starting more players and so you're going to want to you're going to probably be forced to use your flex spots with wide receivers uh given the large the, the number of players that are drafted so you want to have some good ones kind of there uh, waiting if you need to plug them in every single week uh, as flex options. Tight end uh, st st stays the same. I mean, you're still looking for three good ones. Um, that doesn't really change my strategy at all, uh, but I am definitely trying to get three at a minimum and probably four um, if it's like one of my last picks because you're going to be able to get a, another quality starter most likely at the end of a draft because tight end just gets pushed down and pushed down and pushed down. So even if it's a guy like Chris Herndon, um, I'd still want that upside on my bench um, going into the season, knowing that if something happens to my tight ends, there's not going to be very many options that I like uh, heading into the year. You know, I agree with everything you just said. So instead of wasting the listener's time and just rehashing everything that you just said and patting you on the back, which, you know, you I, can I, keep patting me on the back. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I can. I can do that. But the, the listeners don't want to hear it. They, they don't want to hear that. They want to hear us argue. And so let's move on, because there might be something that we argue about in the rest of this episode. Let's get to 14 teams. So now, hey, now we're changing the game here. It's redraft. It's it's super flexed. And. Now, all of a sudden, instead of a 12-team league, we're we're going 14 teams. So we're upping it. It's two extra teams. It, what's your what's your change? What what changes strategy-wise? Is there positions that you're valuing more, valuing less? Uh, tell me, what is your 
you know, your position here and how would you approach a redraft super flex league with 14 teams as opposed to 12? Again, I think the biggest thing that I'm looking for is running backs early uh, and often as best I can. I'm probably waiting on quarterback, but I'm not waiting that much. I mean, it's pretty much running back, running back, quarterback, or or three running backs and a quarterback um, to start. I'm probably getting two quarterbacks in the first f- six rounds um, just because, again, 14 teams – Everybody takes two quarterbacks. You've already you've already basically exhausted every single starter in the league. The likelihood that you get a third quarterback is is not very high. Uh, not very many teams are going to get a third quarterback. And I think personally, it's probably going to be a net negative for your team overall in a larger a fourteen team league to grab a third quarterback when you need to have more starters at running back and wide receiver. Um, most likely these are the positions that you want to grab. You're not going to want to use a spot on a third quarterback when you're sacrificing your wide receiver two um, for that position. And so that's really the only changes. Um, I might move up some of the tight ends because there are more teams. So if you wait on tight end, you're probably not going to get two of them that you like. Uh, Like I said, tight ends only really about 17 deep this year. So, half the league is not going to have a good tight end two. And so you need to make sure that you have a good tight end one, because that gives you a huge advantage over those players specifically that only have like a tight end. Um, And some of them are probably going to punt the position altogether and take three or four guys that maybe aren't giving them hardly anything. So that gives you an even bigger advantage at that position. But uh, for the most part, running backs early and often because they're just going to go, they're just going to go and go and go. And if you miss them on your first two, if you don't get a running back in your first two picks, there's a pretty good chance. You're not going to like who you're starting. I I tell you what, I'm going to raise the ante even further in the first four rounds. I am taking two running backs and two quarterbacks. I'm not going to pencil in which round's going to go which, but I'm going to tell you right now, I value quarterback to the point where, I mean, think about it, 14 teams. Now, all of a sudden, if everyone grabs two, there's 28. If some people grab three, so that way they have a bye week guy, man, you're talking, they're, they're taking backups for teams. They're taking flyers here. So I, I want two quarterbacks that I feel really good about because then I can wait on the position. And even if I don't have a bye week guy that I really like, I'm going to have the advantage at that position for two weeks uh, or for every week outside of those two weeks. So to me, quarterback is going to be something I'm going to move up. And of course, running back, like you said, you got to get two running backs that you feel good with. So if I can go running back, quarterback, running back, quarterback, something like that, man, I'd I'd be ecstatic. That would be awesome. So uh, I'm bumping up those positions. I agree at tight end. I would really like to get a tight end. I feel good about, Um, you know, so wide receiver again, man, it's probably taking a backseat for me. If I can get a tight end at the fifth or sixth spot um, again, my wide receivers are probably going to be hurting a little bit, but I'm just going to grab more of them. I'm just going to grab more of them and just hope that I have two, three, four that I can, uh, I can rotate through and I can, uh, I can find guys later in drafts that, uh, that are going to be fantasy relevant for me and aren't going to hurt me too much. So that would be my, my approach there. I quarterback and running back, man, I want them early. Yeah, I think I think I think that just makes a, a lot of sense. Um to me those are the two most those are the two positions that the drop off gets pretty significant once you get into the third and fourth tiers. Um or I guess the third and fourth um they're not really tiers, but the the quarterback threes and quarterback fours and running back threes and running back fours. You're you're hurting and you don't want to have to rely on those guys being starters for you every week at those positions because if you're going up against a guy that has a pat mahomes or russell wilson and you're rolling out i'm I'm trying to think of a good example here um i'm trying to like uh, dwayne haskins or sam darnold Mm -hmm. as your quarterback you're potentially taking a 20 point loss off the top and then are you going to be able to make that up with running backs and wide receivers? Most of the time you're not. And so you have to be able to get those guys um, that are going to put up big points for you. And so most of the time in almost every league, 
that's the quarterbacks and the running backs. And if you don't have those positions, you're not going to be able to compete. Beautiful, Ethan, beautiful. So here it is. We're going to wrap this episode up with one last league type. And what we're going to do, we're going to expand it even further. It's not 14 teams anymore, Ethan. 16 teams. What are you doing? How does this change? Man, this is crazy. 16 teams. I mean, man, the talent gets spread thin now, Ethan. How are you approaching these drafts with 16 teams in a redraft Superflex league? Yeah, I don't play in a lot of 16 team leagues because I don't like my head to hurt about this and I get frustrated and I, I really don't like starting players that I don't like rooting for, which are bad players. So uh, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm probably not the best person to ask about this because I don't play in any 16 team leagues. Um, that being said, I, I think the strategy is just basically the same as the 14, except that once again, you're putting an emphasis on getting a quarterback that is going to be able to start for you weekly and put up significant points and getting a running back that's going to be able to do the same thing. For me, these this is where I'm really focusing on which running backs are going to give me the most consistent production uh, throughout the year. I don't want to have a big volatile swing uh, at running back, I don't want a guy that's going to give me maybe 10 points one week and then 50 points and then 10, 10, 10, and then, you know, 25. I, I don't need that. I don't want that. I want the consistency because I, with this many teams, the teams that have the most consistent production are going to be the teams that win every single, the, the majority of the weeks. And you can say, well, that's true with every league. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. But in a, a league this big with this many teams, probably more, more than likely you're going to have weeks where nobody hits for your team. And do you want to be the guy that nobody hits and you have three guys that are not giving you any points or hardly any points? Or do you want to be the guy that gets, yeah, nobody hit, but I scored 10 to 15 with each one of my guys. Um, so I am probably skewing towards a little bit more on the safe side on production wise, uh, looking for guys that are going to be more consistent. This is where players like a David Montgomery, uh, while he's not a sexy pick and he's not certainly somebody that I love, um, he's going to get volume and you can rely on that volume every single week. And so at a minimum, he's not going to kill you. Um, he's going to get a bump in a 16 team league because he's probably your running back too. And again, you want that stability and week to week um, a Marvin Jones at wide receiver. Uh, again, not the sexiest name going to probably be a wide receiver too. Um, could be a wide receiver three. You're going to love that consistency week to week. I like a guy like Michael Thomas a lot more in a 16 team league because I know that from a week to week basis, he's probably going to beat the other team's wide receiver one. Am I willing to give you a first rounder? we'll see. I mean, it depends on how far he falls, but if he's at like eight to 12, maybe because I know he's probably going to stay healthier and that gives me consistency. And I know it's going to have volume, which is also giving me consistency. So I guess consistency becomes a much more important factor from pick to pick uh, in leagues where this many players are involved. Yeah, no, I love that. Consistency is the name of the game in a 16-team league. The only other thing I'm going to add to what you just said, Ethan, this is maybe the only time you're going to hear me say this. So it's it's recorded. Remember, timestamp it. In a 16-team league, if I can't get two quarterbacks that I like, I might not start a second quarterback at that super flex position. Look, there's limited options there. If I'm going running back, running back, and then I get a quarterback in the third round that is Gardner Minshew, Drew Locke, that type, and then in the fourth round, I'm coming back and looking at Dwayne Haskins rather than taking a you know a, a wide receiver that I really like, like a Tyler Lockett. I man, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to force the quarterback. Uh, so in in this type of league, depending on where I pick and kind of what falls to me, if I can't get two quarterbacks, I feel good about. Man, I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to. I'm just going to get one. Maybe I can get a second, a backup type play that uh, you know I can hope and pray for if the 
adventures are big enough, but I'm not going to force a quarterback uh, just to say, oh, I got a second quarterback. I got Dwayne Haskins or I got Sam Darnold. No, I'm not going to do that and pass on some of the value that might be there. I can start another player in that super flex spot that is a non-quarterback. So in this type of week, in this type of format, 16 teams, I'm not going to force the quarterback. As much as I would in 12 and 14, I feel like I'm, I'm going to get two or three quarterbacks that, uh, you know, so I can have that position covered. In 16, man, if I can't get two, I'm not forcing it. I, I just won't. I'll take the value where it falls to me. If everyone's gobbling up quarterbacks because they're worried they're not going to be able to fill that super flex position, value is going to fall. Take it at the other positions and just kind of fill that super flex position with the best player that you can. Uh, you know, I'm just not going to force it uh, in, in a 16-team league. Ethan, is that is that crazy talk? I don't think it's crazy talk. I like that you brought up that we tend to, on this show, I think we're all pretty like-minded in that. If it's super flex, we like having two quarterbacks. Like, that is our strategy. That is our MO. We preach that often. And I think that, Sometimes for certain leagues and certain setups, uh, a 16 team league would probably fall under this. That isn't the most optimal way to build your lineup. Yeah. Is it great to have two quarterbacks in a super flex league? Absolutely. But if you're going up against 16 other teams, probably not going to like that second quarterback. And are you giving up again, a position like wide receiver that could still start in your super flex if you needed it to are you giving up a guy that gives you an, a, an advantage for a player like you know like a Dwayne Haskins like a Sam Darnold that yeah they might put up good points for you but they might also kill you I mean they might also give you nothing in your super flex are you willing to do that or is that consistency there um I don't always think it is and so this would be a case and I hate that I'm I have to like, I don't like that. I have to agree with you. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Of course. You don't um, have to, you don't but, have to. Uh, no, this is a stupid idea, James. You should always go for two quarterbacks. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, that sounds no, better. That sounds better. It sounds more natural to say that I'm stupid. Like it, I couldn't, it, I was trying, I was trying to agree with you and literally my mouth just wouldn't let me do it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think I'm just, I'm too trained to just go against whatever you say and, and judge you meticulously. I'm just, and, and you've, you've gathered quite a following by doing so, by the way, and uh, you've been right more times than you've been wrong. Let's put it that way. So uh, it, it's not a bad career path to do that, to, to just go against me. Uh, that's, that's pretty much uh, it's wise on your end. I think the people like it when we disagree though, because if we just all agreed all the time, this would not be a very entertaining show. Yeah, it, it, in all reality, I love Aaron Rodgers. I just, uh, I just tell John I don't, uh, just so that way we can disagree. You know, for uh, for the, for the listeners, I do it for the listeners. No, I can't even say that. I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I never have, so I, I, I can't even can't even kid around with that one. One of these days, we're going to record a Superflex Super Show, and the listeners will not have to listen to us talk about Aaron Rodgers. But today is not that day, and I blame James. And this is why they like it when I mean to you, because yeah. this, you do this thing where you do the thing that we were trying to avoid secretly. You didn't know we were trying to avoid it and you still brought it up. And now I'm judging you and we've gone on for an hour. Hopefully everyone enjoyed this conversation a little bit different. I know we didn't talk about specific players. We have plenty of time to talk about specific players. I really felt like this was a good exercise to kind of go through strategy, um, how it changes from a league setting to league setting and kind of give a glimpse of like, Hey, this is what it, this is what we do. Um, we, we talk about this and we spend the time, um, at midnight to discuss, uh, what it's, what we think about fantasy football. So I guess well, at least I know something about it. I don't know about James, uh, but we at least think we know something about it. So I like that this was a little bit more strategy, a little bit less uh, player talk, because I'll, I'll be honest with you. I get bored with just hearing everyone talk about the same 12 players. Um, hopefully the listeners enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please leave us a review. Um, we've been looking through those. We're trying to get uh, some, 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 some listener review, uh, 
content into the show. So if you want to hear us talk about something, if you leave a review on iTunes, we will go and look at it um, or whatever your podcasting site that you like to use um, is. We will look at it and we will most likely talk about it on the show. So that is a great way to interact with us and to get us to answer your questions. Absolutely. I agree with you on everything you just said, amigo. So with that, let's wrap it up. Special thanks to Heart and Soul Radio for their use of the song, The Addiction, and a special thank you to Dynasty Week Football family of podcasts and the entire DLF staff for their ongoing support. Make sure to follow and send us questions and trade polls to our podcast handle on Twitter at Superflex Show. You can follow Ethan at EternerFF underscore PT and myself at underscore James the Brain. And remember, listeners, above all else, stay sexy and super flexy.